Welcome to the No Shame Podcast. So finally at the end of the the first week that we were all waiting for um, to get back to the medicine, uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and training in the gyms um, or wherever you uh, wherever you think that you're um, you 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 class as your 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 fix or whatever it is. Mine would be Jiu-Jitsu, swimming in the sea, um, and being able to be be around people that. Um, that I admire and have, and have a lot of respect for through uh, through through hard graft and grit that we've shared on the mat. Um, today was the, the the first Sunday mass back as we call it here in a SVG Dublin twenty four. Um, unfortunately, I didn't get to make it myself, but seeing some of the pictures is a uh, was amazing. So um. What we have done is we've had one class on in the evening, and we have two floors here. We're very grateful um, and and lucky to be able to. to to put two classes on at the same time, um, obviously kept inside under the, the fifty people inside indoors, um, and it's working, which is so it's good. It's good to see the the first week that the the small businesses have kind of flew the nest again and um and are building themselves back up. Uh, I'm truly inspired by people that that can just keep getting back and, and they just they just don't fall down when they when 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 they're expected to fall down because uh, that this has been a hard time for all of us in all ways. Um, we got we I got the spire the other day. Um, close combat uh, contact sports are allowed, are allowed back now, and I have to say it was absolutely amazing. There is nothing like it. There is nothing like the idea of doing six three minute rounds, um, and and being in that adversity of, of somebody coming at you, trying to hit you, trying to take you down, trying to choke you, trying to. Uh, definitely, it keeps me fresh. It keeps me alive. It keeps me exactly where I need to be to be doing exactly what I need to be doing. Um. So that's enough uh, for the for the intro today. Um, we have an, an absolute pioneer of the sport of mixed martial arts here on um on, on Skype, and I have to say this man is is somebody that I look up to in many ways, um, especially in coaching because uh, uh, James Doolan is, is 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 from the small part of Scotland and he has rose up and, and become one of the 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 best coaches in mixed martial arts. His accolades are I cannot find them anywhere else. Um. On, on another coach he is he's absolutely a, a veteran in his field and he is extremely humble which i love also um we're going to get a translator as well because maybe the two of us a scottish man and an irish man having a conversation um might be a little bit hard for the for the listeners but if 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 you need any trouble translating that and she was a message and we'll translate it for you so uh james is actually out in the boy at the moment um on his way to to the island, so um, one of his fighters is is, is heading out to, to compete against um, Macwan, um, so they are fighting on the island that the UFC have exclusively made um, runways, hotels, all sorts. I think yesterday when I was looking at his um, his social media, he was in a hotel that was surrounded by a Formula One court, uh, so. For somebody that I would I would I would have got on here any day to, to have a chat about coaching and all this stuff, I'm probably not going to be able to get as much of that in as I can because um I want to hear what the setup is on the testing and, and all of this sort of stuff. Um so yeah, James Doolan, everybody. Oh, oh there we go. Oh James is all shaved up and all James. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I might have been ringing loads of random James is there, so hopefully I don't get loads of phone calls back. <laughs> <laughs> Story of my life with this thing. Yeah, how prank calling has changed. What? You just some bloke pops up on your screen. Sorry, mate, not you. <laughs> how are you getting on, mate? I'm bored, man. I know. It's it's not all glorious. It's not all glorious, is it? 
Nah, everybody thinks we're here on holiday, you know what it's like. Yeah. Well, you used to hate that when you were leaving the house, it's like, eh, well, see, you're off on holidays again, are you? And you're like, no, I'm off to sit in a hotel and make people, uh, dip people in bats. Aye, aye. <laughs> and the smell of it, the smell of it never goes, doesn't it not? I'm not looking forward to that, man, especially, it's just it's warm, obviously, here all the time, and the thought, you know what it's like when that fucking hot bath's there all the time? <laughs> <laughs> Slipping around on grease and the smell of it. It could be worse. At least I'm looking in the fucking thing. I know. Yeah, that that's always the uh, always the <laughs> only way to stay. Or well, at least I'm not the one going in. Yeah. James, we've been trying to get you on this for a while now. I wanted to actually get you in the studio. That's why I didn't want to uh, have you on Skype because it's harder. Because I, I love the energy in studio. You know what I mean. So when you are yeah. open, we'll get you in. But um. I'm obviously I'm a massive fan of of, of your coaching. I was, I was a fan of it when I was when I was coming up. I was just under you and Paul and stuff like that as well. So I was always looking up the hill at, at what you are doing and, and and trying to learn from it. And even now today, I'm still keeping my eye on you. Would be I would keep you, Paul Rimmer, um, obviously John Danaher and stuff like that. Um, Preet Nicholson and probably Chris Hother. In, uh, in in my top five of people that I, I study and I look at and what they're doing, man. Oh, you look what you're doing, mate. Thanks for that, man. That's a uh, good company to be in with you guys. Yes, of course. And I'm telling you, and you're up there with the you're up there at the top of it as well because uh, I'm only to be the same. You're coming on is um, I love the idea of people um, probably coming from places where they they shouldn't be who they are in their sport. Like think about it. Yeah. Scotland's probably not the uh, the the hotbed, and Dublin's probably not the hotbed, and these places um for because it doesn't have a wrestling base and all these sort of stuff. What made you believe that you are like man, and I can do this? Um, sometimes I still, sometimes I'm still looking to believe. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes I'm like fucking hell, I've done it. Like I've like we just came off a win over Michael Johnson there, and even back when. That time I was at Invicta with you and Ash and stuff, and Joanne was fighting and stuff. Yeah. I was like, fucking it, we, we used to train in a wee hall, and people are flying us to America to fight and stuff. So, I, sometimes I, I tend not to think about it too much, man, because it, it can get a wee bit overwhelming for me. So, I just kind of deal with it, like train, turn up, and, and take care of it on the night type of thing. But um, I don't know, man. I'm, it's, 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 I've kind of surpassed any of the expectations I had. Up. I used to want to, like, it was the same with fighting. I was like, I want to have one fight just to, to see what it's like and, and it'll make me a better coach. And then I never even, I, I kind of wanted to coach for a while, but the, I was like, I need to understand it more, so I threw myself into it. Um, but even still, I, I try not to think about the level as any different. I, I, I treat the amateur guys having their first fight the same as, as the guys fighting in the UFC. I think if I, if I start making the, the, the difference in it stuff it, it can get a wee bit overwhelming for me like when I start thinking about the, the, the arenas and the amount of people watching and shit like that but I think it's just a fight at the end of the day isn't it? Yeah, yeah absolutely I think you may be getting that as being a fighter as well because I know when I used to win the door I used to be saying to myself like it's it's the same thing like everything else is just a hang on I still say it to be on guys now so if you've got a young team here I'm trying to Trying to, I've been coaching for many years, but now it's an idea. Like this is my chance to be. Like this is what I wanted to do from the start. Is like build a team, travel around, get the experience. Like I, I probably didn't even want to be a fighter, James. To be honest, um, I yeah, kind of yeah. like yourself. Oh yeah, I love the coaching aspect. I love the development part of it, and I went into coaching study courses and all these kind of courses when I was young to make sure that I, when I was finished, that I was able to do it. So I, I probably got into it to coach rather than fight in a way. Yeah. Um, and, and that's the part I love. Um, 
the, the study part of it. And what you were saying there, I think, is a is a massive thing. You, you're probably thinking it's small, but I think it's massive that being able to keep every team like it's your first day, like Biggie said, you know, in the way, like if you just yeah. like it's your first day and and don't kind of glow. I think you do that better than anyone, James. You do it better um, in the way that you probably have more accolades um, for your fighters regarding championships uh, from national level all the way up than probably some of the most of the world coaches out there. Um, so obviously the, 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 the gem and the thing is going to be the, the UFC title someday. Um, you, you keep so humble. You keep it, you're able to stay so, I don't know, grounded or something like that. What's the, what's the trick to that? I don't like attention, man. I, I really, I, I'm never. I don't like cameras. Um, I just, I'm, I'd rather listen to people than talk. Um, I just, I don't know. I just, but attention's not for me. I, there's, it's a sport where you're, you're, you're kind of surrounded by attention seekers all the time, um, and it's just, it's not in me. It'd be fake for me to be like that. So, I like to just sit back and watch, um, and and study stuff like. The same way we study martial arts, just study the game and, and, and the coaching side of it and even like how the, the promotions are run and stuff like that. So I think I always make better decisions if I, if I can keep a distance fit um, and just sit back and see the whole picture instead of like going after accolades and attention. And it becomes about me that way and I, I don't want that. I'll, it should be about the fighters, I think. Um, and you see a lot of coaches that they're trying to, they're more concerned with being famous than their fighters succeeding. Um, and, and that isn't for me. No, I agree with you. And, and the idea is that it's, um, when it, like when you are the fighter in the dressing room and then you are the coach in the dressing room, you kind of really understand the idea of what you need in there, isn't it? Because no matter who you are, no matter how long you're fighting, I think it says the same. When you get to the dressing room and you're getting ready to fight that day, there's nearly like you need that pact. Between, I think Darren Hill has it really well between his coach and the way where they're not mates in a way, and he would kind of, if his coach said, jump in the Liffey there or jump in the, some river in Scotland somewhere, he would. Do you know what I mean? He still has that, like, like that young lad in him still inside where he's looking at his coach for the next answer. And when they get to the dressing room, they can nearly lean on each other and rely on each other and know what their abilities are. I'd say, like, you have that with your guys. You have so many guys that you've been with from the start, such a good relationship with. Um What's the differences between people in the dressing rooms, do you think? And your lads, who would be the differences? We're, there's, there's some similarities. Like There's a lot of trust there between I trust them, they trust me. Um, and, and that's all came pretty much through. I know the fact that we've all put the work in. Like we're, Nobody's cut any corners. We've done everything that we can up to that point. Um, and it's just the, the big thing for me is just dealing with everybody on an individual basis, like realising that some guys like some guys don't need a lot of attention. They just need to know that you're there. Um and then other guys need certain things. It's just try to figure out the personality of the, the, the fighter you're dealing with, I think, and then kind of basically moulding everyone around about that, their style of fighting, how you deal with them, how you communicate with them. Um I, th- I think that's the thing that you see. A lot of guys that are not having success are, are using like a cookie cutter approach to coaching. They just coach everybody the same. Um, even to an extent, when you, sometimes when you're getting fighters coming out of certain gyms, you know certain gyms are good at certain things, whether it's it's positions or, or areas of the sport. Whereas what I always try and do is, is try and keep the guys as, as well-rounded as possible, but try and build like a, a fighting style 
in regards to how their personality is. Like it needs to it needs to mirror it and it needs to kind of jail with it. Um, I think once you get understand that, it makes it a lot easier instead of just treating everybody the same. Which is, is you get one or two good fighters from that, I think. But but the goal isn't it to to have one or two good fighters. The goal for me is always to make sure everybody that comes in gets better, whether whether they fight or not. So I, I think I think that's it. Uh, finding that system um, in a way that's not a uh, like there is no system uh, for building a fighter. I think as what you said there, and I would agree with you as well. Um, but there, there's a certain system. There's a there's a small nucleus, but then everybody grows different. Uh, would yeah. Would be that in a way yeah. like you have to like you obviously have to learn like the level change and not reaching all like the, the basics of them stuff. And then but then the personality does usually grow the fighter um, itself. Like the long guy. Becomes that that link, the, the confident guy, the showy guy. And um, what would you say about somebody that comes into the gym, all right? So uh, two different ends of the track. One guy is really really shy, but extremely coachable and can um and can can fight. And then you have the opposite end where you get a guy that's really really confident, but can box eggs. Yeah, I think the process. I think that I know that our gym anyway. The process people go through, you end up getting humbled by it. Yeah. It's a big thing, and especially in jiu-jitsu. Like, um, we, used, we used to have our old gym right next door to a, a weightlifting gym. Um, a lot of guys in there on all sorts of steroids and stuff, like, like typical, every city's got these kind of kids yes. kicking about. And every now and again, we'd get them coming in. It'd, it'd maybe be after like a big UFC or something, you'd get them coming in, and, and they'd jump in. And we, on purpose, I'd put them with like a 70-kilo blue belt. And then I'll say, this is what that's happening. If you're uncomfortable at any point, tap out or whatever. I wouldn't let anybody punch him in the head or anything. But yeah, no, I agree. And uh, our guys would just, the 70 kilo blue belt, you know it yourself, man, would just positionally dominate them, get them tired, smother them, and eventually tap them. And you could you could see that. And then I think when, by the time people get to the, the level where they want to compete at our gym, they've been, they've been put for a, they've been humbled so much with the having to tap and having to admit that, they don't know that much really about fighting or, or even as an athlete. Um, so they're just learning all the time. They become so dependent on the rest of their team running about them. They just become a better person. Like they can't be too, you need to be selfish to an extent, but at the same time, they can't be overly selfish. Um, and I think it's just that, just it's just that humbling process of getting stripped down and then building back up. Um, I, I think generally, most guys that I know that have stuck about have, have, have experienced that. They've, they've been in the gym and they're not the best guy in the gym, uh, technically or, or even physically. But eventually they persist with it and they endure and, and everyone just starts coming together. But... I feel like that is a, that's nearly a life lesson there that you're saying rather than even just a, a fighting lesson that could translate, like where the idea of stripping yourself down, because if you come into anything and you have some sort of pre- judged um ego towards that i think if you mean um you nearly have to strip that don't you off so you can nearly start again that's zero point of knowledge in a way um would you agree with you uh, the idea of fighting or jiu-jitsu with these things being one of the best things that you could probably use for um to, to grow in life and because you said that not just as a fighter or competing yeah 100 percent, man i think um it's, it's really noticeable for me with jiu-jitsu um but the, the the learning and the problem solving aspect of it, um, and then just the, the fact that you're getting beat every time you go on the. I know for well for me anyway, every time I go on the mat, I'm tapping every single session. Yeah. Um, 
to a point now where, where my students and stuff are tapping us, and, and it's good for you, man. It just keeps you grounded and stuff. And the actual, the, the way that I've picked up and learned jiu-jitsu has helped me with understand striking, um, because striking came really natural to me. I moved, I always moved pretty well. I was, I was relatively quick, and I'd been doing it since I was a kid, so I never really thought too much about it. I just done it. Whereas jiu-jitsu, it's, I think it's maybe for for having a, a striking background, the jiu-jitsu side of stuff was a task for me to learn. It, it, I was uncomfortable for day one, um, but I was determined to get good at it. Um, and I think just understanding, even coaching jiu-jitsu more has made my striking better. And, and definitely understanding and kind of learning about myself, learning jiu-jitsu has made my coaching better. Um, I, I can systemise stuff a wee bit better. I can, I can appreciate stuff a wee bit more. Just because I know how, how much hard work it is to, to learn it. And also just <laughs> at the rate it's evolving it. Because some of the stuff with the striking, it, it got to a, a stage where I wasn't really learning much more. By the time I was fighting like in Thai at a good level, I wasn't really picking up new techniques or stuff. Whereas with Jiu-Jitsu, the, it just seems to evolve so quick. It stops. There's, there's, there's techniques now that weren't here two years ago and, and stuff like that. So it, it just keeps you your attitude towards life like you, you need to always be learning um, or, or you become stagnant and as soon as you become stagnant everyone's passing you by I was I was only I was only saying that before we came on when I was doing the introduction here of the idea of like um, Friday I got to spar with the lads like I, I still get to spar with the lads and stuff like even though even though I had to retire because of a medicalist like people they'd be like I remember people ringing me are you alright mate I'm sound like <laughs> if you let me go tomorrow I would be like I would go you know what I mean because it's just I don't know, so it's just, it's in you after a while. Now, obviously, you have to get your fitness and up, but listen, I'm Irish, I'd give it a good go. <laughs> we swing to my dead. Um, but the, the, that, that that aspect there, I think, is, yeah, it's bang on there, uh, James, about the idea of getting better at striking because of jiu-jitsu. Um, yeah. and get, like, so I get better at life because of jiu-jitsu. When I first found uh, jiu-jitsu, I remember just being like, I'm in love straight away. Um, I was uncomfortable and stuff like that, but... I'm long and dangly. The striking part like got to me. I was always awkward. I could always hit someone, and it was it was hard enough as well because you know the the you know you don't even know how long just the 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 levers. But um, do you feel that like so say if you have somebody that's really really high level in toy or really really high level in say kickboxing words like point kickboxing and then K one and stuff like that that. Um, it doesn't really transfer. I think as much anymore where you just get a K one coach or just get a toy coach. And then you do a toy class and then you're good at striking. I think if you do get a coach that can kind of like see the jiu-jitsu part of striking, like the idea of, say, I don't know, stepping back, being an orthodox and then maybe stepping back into southpaw and they throw a jab and you have a left hand right uppercut now. But you you know the play of it and you know how it works rather than just going through the motions of of, of the toughness part of it. You know, like, um, would, you, would you agree with that? I find some coaches can't see it the way I see it and they'd be looking at you like, yeah, but like, your striking's not great, but it's like, yeah, but I see it. I can see it. Like, my yeah, yeah. is not great, but I can tell you how to do one, you know? I understand it. Yeah, definitely. Man. I think a big thing for me was just applying the the lessons I learned for jiu-jitsu and even watching like, the, the best guys coaching it and how they taught it. I was like, I can I can apply that to striking and just get like, the core fundamentals in and make sure everybody's got the, the, the fundamental stuff, which would be like the positioning and imbalance and stuff. And then, just let them learn off of that. Like, so I, I refer to it, when I'm teaching guys, it's like I make sure they've got all the basics covered, so the, the ABC stuff, and then we start styling it. I, I kind of refer to it as putting their own fingerprints on it, and it's just like styling everyone to, towards them. Um, but 
there's that that's came for jiu-jitsu because it's everybody in striking needs to have good footwork head movement a, a good jab and, and and stuff and then build for there to an extent and then but with, with jiu-jitsu it's like you get the position right and then let's start looking at what ways is best for you to pass guard and, and de- depending on your style so when you cr- cross that over to striking not even just with it, like physicality like I was talking about like a tall guy he's, he's going to want everything at range and, and stuff like that it's like even like some guys are a, a big thing for me is personality like I, I have trouble sometimes with Stevie Ray where he, he could jump into fights and just fight like he was like that as an amateur he, I think he did eight or nine fights in a year he was training one night a week at a Thai boxing gym and one night a week at a jiu-jitsu gym. He didn't really know MMA until he came to train with us. He hadn't sparred MMA. He had six or seven pro fights at this point. And then when he started piecing it together and then going over, like controlling his personality sometimes, because there's, there's fights when he has to go into... Like an example is when he, when he lost the two in a row at the UFC, he had to get into the fight with Jess Nayari, knowing that if he lost the fight, you're probably going to get cut. And he wants to just go in there and and get let off the lead and just go after the guy. And I'm thinking, like, if you, if you do that, it'll play into what this guy wants. So he's had to go in there and be really disciplined. I've had to put the brakes on, make sure he does enough to get a win on points. If the finish comes, then it comes. But the, it's like you're, you're trying to tailor a, a guy who's not used to, he's not that type of fighter. He's fighting against type yes. for the sake of the business because he's, that's how he provides for his family. And every guy on our team's had that at some point. You've had to get them to fight slightly different for how they want to fight sometimes. Um, or at least have the ability to do it if, if it's if it's needed. Uh, I think that's a big thing. Eh? Oh, I think that the, uh, that that obviously they, they I hope they know how grateful they are to have someone that knows that and that's saying that to them now with the idea of they are fighting for their families. And when you're going to make fighting as a career... Um, all you're trying to say to go is be very careful for when this is finished because it'd be like a bucket of water with a hole in it if you're not putting water into it eventually it will end up empty because you're going to end up at 80 years of age and if you don't earn enough money to last you to 80 your bucket's going to be empty someday and then you're going to have to look around and figure out how do you feed for your family so yeah. if you want to go down that road make sure that you have water going into your bucket before you decide to just go all in on a bucket of water. Do you get what I mean? In a way, it's kind of a way of trying to explain it to them, and they and they see it. I think you're at the hitting it there. Um, I do understand what you mean about Stevie Ray because I watched him uh, one day, or uh, one time at uh, New Year's Eve on Cage Warriors in Dublin in the Helix. Might have been the night Connor won the belt. Was it, would that have been the same night? I think it was the it was the following year. I think Connor just got to the UFC. Right. Um, Stevie was fighting Bush. Right, and he's fight- Stevie Ray was defending the title, was he? Yeah, against Ivan Bashinga, who who Connor had beat. Yeah, and uh, I think there, like uh, Stevie Ray was scrapping for a little bit of that fight as well, I think, because that was a bit of a barnburner that was. So, yeah, like, what do you mean about Stevie? Yeah, it was sick that night, man, and um, I think he was he was doing really well. Actually, it was it looked like he was coasting. Yeah, and then there was a mad ex- Ivan Bashinga done his thing that. He- he takes a bit of a beating for two rounds and then comes back and submits you. Um, it was a good learning experience for that for us, that one. Yeah, but it was, it was a, it, it's one of them magic situations when you're looking back at it now, James. So you're sitting in... Um, are you actually on the island now or are you in the boy? We're, in the, we're on the island. Uh, we're quarantining in our hotel room. I think we're allowed up tomorrow. We've been here, done two days in London, flew here. 
Um, and this is our second day here, so we've been stuck in the room for two days. So you're on the I'm going to talk to you about that situation now. Um, well, I just wanted to get you to tell the story of because I've read it probably two or three times when you posted it yourself, and uh, I want to make sure that people in Ireland know that you're a bit of a mad bastard, right? <laughs> the story of you and Paul McVeigh, and I'm going to get I'm going to use the picture if you don't mind. Um, you and Paul McVeigh heading to was it Japan? For you, you're so on a wake up as well. It was the worst experience ever. Um, That's already Paul, Paul, um, Paul got the fight in Japan. He was a Cage Warriors champion. He um, was fighting the Shooto champion. He'd already made, Paul had already made Bantamweight at that point. And I, I was still competing at Featherweight. We got a message just saying there was another opportunity to fight at Bantamweight um, against. Um, I can't mean the guys. I can't even pronounce the guy's name. I'll, I'll wreck it if I try and say it. But he's a good guy. He fought Faber and Pulver and stuff. Um, and I, they're like, you can make this weight. You can have the fight. And I was like, well, I'm, I'm going anyway, so I may as well. Um, I hadn't been. I wasn't a big featherweight anyway. I'd fought high and stuff at 63 kilos, so I knew I could. I could get in. But we signed this contract. That I didn't really read until we got there. But um, the the contract said if we'd missed weight we were eligible for the opponent's purse, the hotels and the flights. But it came to close to £5,000, which which I, I didn't have £5,000 at that point. So I was like, that's fine. So jumped, I think I got on the plane at Glasgow at 63 kilos. Um, we flew to London, I think we flew to London, Dubai, then Dubai, Tokyo. And then when I eventually got to the promoter's office, it was a day before the weigh-in, They've chucked us on the scales like before we've even went to the hotel and stuff. And I was way back up at like 68.7 or something in my pants. Um, so we basically had to cut had to cut to 61.2, less than 24 hours. Um, I think we'd get the sauna suit on, went for a walk in this park just to, to get moving a wee bit. Then it was the, the baths and then we went to the sauna at night and they wouldn't let one of our guys in because he was covering tattoos and just like the usual shit. But it was just... At that point, I'd already made my mind up I was going to make it. Um, and, but I could see Paul making it easier for some reason. He'd already made it before, but it became a competition. Um, and I was like, checking how much come off you there? And he'd be like, oh, a kilo there. And I'm like, fucking 200 grand. <laughs> like, Shit. So I just, it, it was a drastic 18 hours, man. But I don't think I slept. I was in and out the bath all night. Just, you know what it's like, man. But uh, eventually I got down to 61.2 kilos. Went and done the way in, um, but people were staring at us. We had to get the the, like the subway and stuff like that about to, to to go for the way in and stuff, and people were just looking at me and Paul like we're, we're fucking zombies. But uh, that that picture keeps resurfacing in my my mum's like I didn't like that picture. Don't show me that picture and stuff. Oh, and it, was, it was bad, man. It was rough. Like, like and even looking back now, like so obviously like uh, so so James is sitting in like. <laughs> Probably one of the best facilities on planet Earth at the moment now for for fighting in a way. Um, if you haven't been there, you shouldn't be here. <laughs> that that meme belongs to you for sure. But um, I'm going to use that picture as well and show people what this was like. Cause and now you're sitting. Yesterday, I think you were in a hotel with a Formula One uh, course going around the outside. But now you're sitting on the island. It's pretty cool. Like um, I hadn't been. I hadn't been in a plane and stuff like that until I was 22 years old. Like, uh, my my mum and dad, look, we, we couldn't afford to go on holidays when we were kids. Um, I think the first time I flew was for a fight. Um, it was like the promoter had paid and stuff. And now, like, 
now, like twenty odd years later, I've been I've, I've been just about everywhere. Um, a bunch of times America, Japan, Thailand, all over Europe and stuff, and it's it's just been because of that. But pe- people look like we were saying earlier, people think I'm here on holiday, but I'm I'm here working, and then they don't see the twenty or thirty years of training in huts, um, and then helping guys make weight and frightening miners' clubs and community centres and driving like all the way down to England for guys winning in 30 seconds then driving up the road and, and they don't they don't see all that work they think oh you're flying all over the world and he's around the fucking telly or whatever but they, they miss all the all the like all the, all the shit that goes into it pretty yeah. much yeah um, so so now you're actually on the island um, and he's had to quarantine so was uh, can you tell us a, a bit of the kind of the, the steps it was to to get in the fight to what you have to do to yeah uh, so we got just just fast forward into the whole process here, man. We we flew to Edinburgh to London, Heathrow on Wednesday at one o'clock. Um, they took us straight to a hotel, fired us in the hotel. Says that uh, this was uh, I Wednesday one o'clock. We got in. They said the testers would come to the come to the room and test you in the room. So we were in rooms separate. So there's four of us here. Danny's here, obviously, to fight, uh, and the two training partners, Stevie and, and a kid Mark Ewan's here. So they put us all in separate rooms. And I think all the rest of the, the kind of fighters that were flying to that hub were in separate rooms and then some of the staff. Um, and you're told, like, you're going to be in this room for two days. There's a room service menu. Don't leave the room. There's security looking at um, and there's CCTV. So we've done that. Um, we got tested, I think, four, three or four hours in. Some some uh, medical people came. They swabbed in the throat, then the one up the nose, um, and then left us. So... Two days later, the, the day that we're due to fly, we got an email saying these are good to fly. Tests were all negative. Um, drop your bags off at five o'clock, come back down at six o'clock and leaving. So the, we've done that, went on a bus to Heathrow, went through private security right to the plane. So we never actually went into the terminal. Um, and then we're on this big chartered Etihad plane thing. The fighters all got to sit in first class, which was pretty cool with the feet up. I got seat number, row number 38, near the toilets at the back, but I'd nobody run a book, I think there was like 40 is on the plane or something, um, and then just usual flight, no fight for the armrest, got here, and then it was straight for the airport, through the customs, they took our passport, and then brought us straight to the, to the island, where a police escort, there was like two or three buses there, I think, um, got here, straight to testing again, and then parked in a room, for another 48 hours. So yesterday we get, we came here, we get tested. Um, everybody's cutting about in hazmat suits with the, the masks and the, and the visors. And and then there's about, I think there's no one else in the hotel except for UFC people. Um, Papped is in the room, but th- this time we're in rooms of two. So I'm in with Danny and then Mark and Steve are a couple of rooms down. And there's a wee bit more space here. So we've been able to hit some pads and train a wee bit. Um, but it's the same, we're watching TV room service and then I think tomorrow we're actually allowed to, if the tests are good which it should be, we're allowed to kind of walk about this restricted zone that they've got, I think everyone's closed off on the island, um, so we can, I think we can actually go to the beach and stuff like that tomorrow have a look about, so um, and then we've got access to the workout rooms and that'll, it should just fall in like a normal fight week I think um, we get tested again on fight day the, the fight's at a ridiculous time, I think the show starts at 2am I think Daniel born about 4am, finishes at 8am and then we're going straight to the airport to fly home the same day 
um, and they get tested after the fight as well. Actually, so it's five tests all in all, um, and then they're just restricting whenever we're outside the hotel rooms. I'm asking gloves and stuff. Different, like, <laughs> yeah, that's what I was to say. That sounds like a bit of a, a bit of a mad situation. But um, I'm right in saying that they they build roads and and all sorts on the island. Um, they build an airport. Nah, we flew into the normal airport, um, but we we came through different customs and stuff, and then we got a police escort. I think the island, I think it, I don't know, the water here is man-made or something, but it's it's it is attached to. Abu Dhabi, but they've shut off all the roads, so the police got us through the closed roads to get in here. But you can see, like looking at the window, you can see the rest of Abu Dhabi, but they can't get in this type of thing. So it is shut off. Um, and one, once I get out and have a look about, I'll see more. I know Dana's been posting videos and stuff like that, but um, it's it's everyone's closed, man. Like so, they've, they've shut the whole place down for the fights. It's probably one of the safest places. Um, if it, if it really did it, a zombie po- zombie apocalypse came off. Looking at what's out there, like it's probably one of the safest places. Yeah, it looks like uh, it looks like that the place could sustain itself on its own, like for a while. Um, that was Scotland or Ireland or something. Make it like that. <laughs> I'm phoning back at home and Lindsay, Lindsay's like moaning. Everybody's boozing in the gardens and stuff like. That. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The, the social distance is over. I don't know if you've seen it. And uh, the, the pubs were out the first time last night. And uh, it was pretty short to say that it failed. Uh, it was like in the UK, we actually seen some videos where Chelsea was shot. Um, some some English policeman posted something like, uh, drunk people cannot social distance effectively. I knew that. As an Irishman, I knew that. You know what I mean? I was like, Alcohol and rules do not mean. <laughs> if I'm, they become they become things to jump over <laughs> after a few points. You know what I mean? Uh, Scotland's a wee bit, bit. We're a wee bit behind England with that stuff now. Like we are, uh, I think we're maybe a week or two behind. They've just, I think they're maybe opening beer gardens tomorrow, but not pubs. I'm not sure what's going on there. But uh, Nicola Sturgeon, the Scottish Prime Minister, seems to be doing everything different for for the English Prime Minister. I wonder why. <laughs> you, know, you know, in Ireland, the reason why, uh, or in, in the world, the reason why we drive on the left side is because America drove on the right side and England did not want, because being the dominant, did not want to be the same as America. Yeah. So they decided to drive on the left. So that's why we drive on the left. So that's a, that's an old thing in any way. So it's not just popping out of the hat. So um, obviously, the, the last little bit I'll leave you with after this is obviously a tough fight on your hands now as well. So, um, uh, Macwan, a really motivated Finn, um, is a good guy as well. You know what I mean? Macwan, yeah. um, good wrestling, um, good dash choke, uh, got a good finish against um, Paul Rimmer's guy. I forgot, I was fish gold, fish gold, yeah, yeah. worst. Fishy, I was gonna call him there, but I was like, don't know if that's offensive. I don't know, did they call that's him that? His nickname. That's his nickname. All right, right, all right, that's all right. <laughs> I was just making sure, let's be careful these days. Um, so tough fight, tough fight, but good fight. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it's a t- it's a good test for us, man. Um, he's a he's a very capable fighter. He's a great fighter. Um, uh, he's one of the guys like sometimes you get fighters and, and you don't even like watching tape on them. It's like oh, I can't believe I have to watch this guy, but he's always he's always had fun fights. I quite watch them, um, and he's got techniques a lot of the guys in the gym hit. Like we've got a lot of guys that like Darce and Anaconda and stuff like that as well. So. I know he's exceptionally good at that stuff. So it's it was fun to study for, it's been fun to prepare for. Um obviously the 
training for this has been a wee bit different. We, we, we've not had as much time. We've not had a full team running about it. So two or three training partners and just in private sessions. But in, in some ways, it's been the most uh, kind of personalised fight camp we've done because every session Danny's done, there's been three or four years there and everyone, you can see everyone. It's not like you're training in a gym with, with 50 fighters or 40 fighters or whatever. So it's been really tailored towards this one fight. It's only it's the first fight we've had in a, in a while uh, since Callum fought Bellator. So it's been cool um, just adapting to, to the situation and stuff. And the fight should be good, man. I think Danny's got some stuff that can cause Macron problems. Obviously, Macron's got stuff that if Danny sleeps on, it's, there's going to be some issues. But um, it's, it's a very good fight. I think it could be one of the better fights on the card. Yeah, no, we do agree. We got to sp- I had the pleasure to spar Macwan, and uh, it, it's it's he's a good guy. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, and uh, Danny, I'm, I'm a fan of that. I'm a fan of I'm a fan of a lot of UFC fighters. To be honest, um, I watched him, and and he would be a great example on your team of someone that is a uh, is different. Is a different style. And but we're going to say Danny came up through. Uh, did he fight in UFC? Yeah, he was he was there. He went there. Um, he was some. Went there as a he was a lightweight signed there at four and one. Yeah. And just went on an absolute tear there. I think we got to like ten or ten and one or eleven and one really quick there. Won the the world title. He beat the kid Cabeza that had beat Peter Queeley. Um, he, he stopped him there, and that was his last fight there. He signed for the UFC the second time he came to Glasgow. So he, it, that was a good promotion for him. Man, he learned a lot there. They, they exposed him to a lot of different styles. There's, some good strikers there. He fought a couple of guys that wrestled at Commonwealth Games level and stuff. So he, he kept busy um, and it, it just developed really, really quick there. So it's kind of stood him in good stead for the UFC. Because you, you've had that, haven't you, where people have came through different organisations. So you've had the Ultima Foyer, um, uh, EFC. Yeah, uh, Cage Warriors. Yeah, Cage Warriors. Um yeah, so you've kind of went through the road of the idea of what what path is path uh, or what path is it the one to make it. What do you think? And I've asked this question as well of a few people. Um, what do you think is one of the best roads for a young person that wants to make it to the UFC now starting off? I won't, and I'll leave you. I'll leave you go after this. Um, well, I'm actually getting involved with IMAF scene for Scotland. I'm going to be Mark Goddard reached out to us and just asked me to put together a board and stuff. So we're in the process of that just now. But I think, to be honest, I think that's going to be the best way for kids to come up and develop. Um, you always get guys that will get in other ways, like just having amateur shows and, and local fights and stuff. But I think you're going to see the best guys coming through IMA. Uh, cheers for that, James. Really appreciate you coming on, man, and, uh, and sharing that bit of a uh, um, bit of news. I was going to say bit of a story, but like. It's not a story. <laughs> it's a black <laughs> situation on an island where guys are meeting up fighting each other. Um, probably where we all would have wished as kids that we could do something like this, like Kimite or something like that. It's uh, another dragon. It has came through, so congratulations. Make sure you go to the bar later on and do the coin trick to somebody because it will not be complete without that happening in the story. You know that? <laughs> James, thanks so much, and I wish you the best. Uh, give, give my best uh, to, to Danny, and I look forward to watching uh, an amazing fight out there. And, and stay safe, man. Thanks, mate. I'll speak to you soon. Eh? Yes, look after yourself. Thanks so much. Take it easy, man. Peace, brother. So that was the No Shame podcast. James Dillon is an absolute <laughs> a chest full of knowledge. If uh, if you're ever around Scotland, and you get a chance to change uh, train with James. I suggest that you try and take up that opportunity because. Uh, 
not only is he an absolute amazing coach and a well of knowledge, he is an absolute cool guy. He's a and they do bad at Mars bars in Scotland and Glasgow. <laughs> I had the uh, the privilege to fight there and then swallow a bat um, a bat at Mars bar and then die for the rest of the day. Um, don't think I've anything else to share there. Don't think I, I missed anything. Um, just listening there, the the old rain and the heavens is at the coming down there. So so uh, good to see the old Irish weather back as well. So that was no shame. Look after yourself. <laughs>